At Parker, our purpose is simple. We want to make the world a better place. By working more efficiently. By using more sustainable practices. By developing better technologies. We keep moving forward. With each new idea, innovation, and partnership, we're one step closer to fulfilling our purpose every single day. To find out more, visit parker.com slash purpose. Parker, engineering your success. As humans, we're naturally driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search, match with Indeed. When I was looking to hire someone, it was so slow and overwhelming. I wish I had used Indeed. If you need to hire, you need Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. And Indeed doesn't just help you hire faster. 93% of employers agree Indeed delivers the highest quality matches compared to other job sites, according to a recent Indeed survey. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash podcast. That's Indeed.com slash podcast. Terms and conditions apply. I feel, honestly, though, talking to you about this makes me feel like I'm finally stepping up into, like, the nitty-gritty of, like, investing and saving properly. Hello, and welcome to the Financials Podcast, Future Rich. I am your host, Barbara Ginty, and I am a certified financial planner, also known as a CFP. And I am here with my guest, Lynn. Hi, Lynn. Hi. I'm super pumped to have you on the show. I'm so happy and excited to be here. So have you been a listener? Yeah. Um, I don't know when I started listening, but I've definitely listened to more than like five episodes. <laughs> Very nice. Well, okay. Tell us a little bit about yourself? Yeah, so I'm Lynn. Uh, I am 27 years old. I live in the greater Phoenix area. Um, I recently relocated from Southern California. Um, And I actually work as a territory sales rep for a um, consumer product goods company. I don't think we've had anyone in Arizona yet. Oh, really? (laughs) Well, (laughs) I'm I'm happy to be the first. (laughs) The first from Arizona. So did you move there for the job from Southern California for the job or did you move there because you wanted to? Just curious. Um, It was kind of a mixture of both um, kind of complicated stories. So technically when I started in my role, my territory is Southern California. Um, but during COVID, we had some people leave our team and so territories opened. So I kind of picked up more territory, including Arizona. Um, and I actually was coming up on my, um, like the three-year mark where my company, in which they like help subsidize rent and expenses for high cost of living areas. So I was like, why don't I just move since they're not paying me to stay here anymore? I have more territory. Um, but honestly, last week I just found out I'm just going to be back in Southern California as far as my job goes. So right now it's kind of a mess, but um, what was that? I said, oh, no, so they're going to put you, like, your territory is going to be basically Southern California now? Yeah, it's back to Southern California, but I got, we're still work from home. So for now, they're okay with me still being in Arizona. 
Well, so maybe we could like make the most of it for a little bit since it might not be a long-term move. Yeah. Yeah. Um, it's weird too. Cause I think they gave me like a year before they would look to have me back in Southern California, but I'm actually planning on going to grad school in a year and a half. So I'm just going to stretch it to a year and a half and then I'll be leaving and it won't be an issue. <laughs> I like it. Cool. And then single, married, kids, any of that? I'm single, but I do live with uh, my boyfriend. Um, so did he relocate with you or was he already there? It's <laughs> This story is so funny now that I'm telling it. Um, he, pre-COVID, was actually sent by his job to work in Arizona for a couple of months. But then it, the company's based in California. Once COVID happened, they actually kind of like furloughed him. So he went back to California because that's where he was living. And then once everything kind of opened up again, his job wanted him to go back, but it was kind of up to him. And so I guess it was kind of a mutual decision for both of us to move um, together to Arizona. We weren't living together in California though. So we kind of like moved to another state and started living together. So it kind of worked out for both of us job wise, um, at least for what at the time. Wow, man, COVID has really thrown like a wrench into everything for you guys, huh? Yeah, but I'm, I mean, the good thing is, you know, we moved in together. So <laughs> it kind of worked out for the best for us, at least right now. <laughs> Very nice. Okay, perfect. All right. So tell me a little bit about your finances. Um, Like how much do you make? um, Some of your savings, your debt? Yeah. So um, I make a base salary of about um, almost $67,000. But because I'm in sales, my um, salary is split into 80% base salary and 20% commission. Um, So basically, if I meet my sales quota in if I don't necessarily exceed it, I have the ability to make an extra $16,000 on top of my base salary. And I kind of looked at at the past few years just to see what that turned out to be. So for example, in 2019, I actually made 76,000, which means I didn't meet my quota every single quarter. But in 2020, I made 89,000, which meant I like met my quota um, for at least most of the year. So it kind of varies, but I try to live on my base salary and then the commission is just extra. Fantastic. And then tell me a little bit about uh, debt. So I actually have no debt. Um, I became debt free in July of last year, July 2020. So yeah. Thank you. Okay, great. Well, that makes things easy, huh? Yeah, yeah, it does. And now it's the whole savings investing. Am I doing enough? What am I saving for? And I think that's a little um, panicky, to be honest. Okay, cool. Let's go through that. So what? So I always like to find out what do they offer you with work in terms of work um, retirement or benefits? Okay, so they offer, I guess, the, well, I guess it's not standard for everyone, but 401k match 100% up to 5%. Oh, great. Um, but they also do this thing, which I don't think I actually re- truly understand. They give like a 3% in addition to like a retirement account. I don't really know what it is. I don't is really it, know where it goes. Is it a profit sharing? <laughs> no, it's not. Because I don't get profit sharing because I'm in sales. I don't know what it is, but um, it's there. But they, they give you 3% do they, and they don't put it in the 401k. That's the thing I don't know. I think it's somewhere like a just, I don't know. Sorry. 
I don't want to lie or make something up. No, that's okay. So it sounds like they give you an additional 3%. And is it, do you know if it's, well, I guess if it's not in the 401ks, it is, is it another work retirement or is it like an HSA? Like for HSA? I I don't know. I have a feeling it's, um, I think because when they transitioned from having pension offering, they just, so it might just be 3% that you get automatically. You don't necessarily have to contribute to get it. Whereas the 5%, that's a match um, situation. I should really learn more, but I think it might go into the uh, 401k. It's just kind of hard to track. They just conclude it all in like the little online thing. And we don't have a good, um, like, well, I shouldn't be a good one. I don't like our who we use to look at our, who holds our 401ks or whatever. They're not good about being transparent. Transparent. I feel like most of them are terrible about it. Um, if you want, if you want to pull your year-end statement and send it to me, I can try and look through it and see what's going on. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. The year-end statement usually gives a good overview. And sometimes it's kind of, I don't want to say it's in the fine print because it's not, but you can go through some of the line items and kind of see what's going on. Um but it's great they have a match, and I'm not surprised they got rid of the pension if they originally had that. You know, pensions are far and few between these days. Um, but are you taking advantage of the company match, the 5%? Yeah. So right now I'm putting 15% in, um, oh. but I'm doing a Roth 401k. Very good. Okay, great. My company, the match is, goes into a 401k, like pre-tax, though. Yeah, that's okay. It's still free money. Um, and then you do a hundred percent of your, your contribution is the Roth. Yeah. Yeah. Okay, great. And how much do you have in there now? Um, so I have about me back for you because I get paid the last day of the month. So I paid monthly. Yes. When I, the company was always monthly, but in California it was by, I don't know, two times a month. But when I moved back to Arizona, I had to go back to monthly because the state wasn't regulated. So it's kind of. Oh, so I started out my career getting paid monthly and I feel like that's how I learned to do my budgeting and everything. And so I'm always like, well, you could pay monthly. And people are like, like I paid every two weeks. So I'm like, I know, well, what is it monthly? Because I've just like trained myself to do everything monthly because for so many years I lived on a monthly budget because I got paid monthly. Yeah. It it the first time it happened, like when I first started the job, I wasn't in California yet. And it took a lot of getting used to. And then I only had it for like four months, moved to California. And then they I guess the state regulates that people have to get paid like twice a month. So I had to learn how to budget differently. And now I'm back to monthly and it's I think it's easier. It's like less transactions, it's like one and done type thing, but I feel like it's whatever you get used to. So I got used to it. So I liked it because I knew, yeah, it was one, this is what I have for the month because all your bills are monthly, right? Like your rent is monthly, like everything else is monthly. So for me, it was really easy from a budget standpoint. I got paid once a month and I had all my bills were like monthly bills. None of my bills were like another week. Yeah. I started to do that thing because my rent in California was so high where I would just put half of the rent each paycheck. Does that make sense? Yeah, you would take, you would pay for your rent from each paycheck. Yeah, like just do like half and half because my rent would be more than one and like would be more than one paycheck. Oh my God, really? In California, yeah. It's so expensive. But anyways, (laughs) to answer your question, I currently have um, $53,500 in my 
401k. Well, that's the 401k and the Roth together. I don't separate them when I track them. Yeah, no, that's perfect. Okay, great. And then do you have any other investments? Do you have an emergency fund or anything else? Yeah, so I have an emergency fund right now that's about $6,300. I have an HSA and I think in October of last year, I was finally like, okay, stop using it for expenses and kind of use it as a like investment pool or whatever. So I have like $1,600 there. Then I have a Roth RA, which I'm trying to max 2021. That's like my my goal. I just maxed 2020 yesterday when I got paid. So I'm like very excited. Right now I have like $9,700 there. And then I have some one-off brokerage that has like $250 in it. I don't know how I got that money. <laughs> just <laughs> That one just like appeared. I don't know. I think because when I first started my company, I used to buy like the stock. But then I sold some of it to become debt free to like help me become debt free early. And I think that was the part that I couldn't share or sell. And it's just been sitting there ever since. It's invested, but you know, I'm not. It's in your, but it's in company stock. That makes total sense. I think I, I don't know what I did. It's actually in an index fund. I don't know how I, I was, I think I was playing with it. I probably figured out a way. I don't know. Let me stop. I don't know what I did. <laughs> well, okay, great. So we have no debt. You have, um, you have good income. It sounds like if you just moved in with your boyfriend, did your like expenses go down? What do your expenses look like? Yeah. So, um, actually it's about the same as it was my last year in California. Cause I got a roommate, but so right now, um, expenses wise like my rent my half of the rent is like seven hundred dollars um utilities probably all of them together including phone internet all that once we split it in half is about two hundred dollars or at least that's what i budget i'm expecting it to be higher in the summer because you know it's arizona and i love air condition (laughs) Outside of that, my food, I budget, I mean, together we budget $400. So I guess I should say we do everything 50-50 and our finances are like completely separate. Um, But we do, everything is 50-50. So food budget for both of us is $400, so $200 from me. And then I budget about $250 for like fun money for myself so I could spend it on whatever, hair products or whatever. But I, I usually buy stuff I don't need, <laughs> to be yeah. honest. Currently, I have braces, so I budget about $225 a month for that, which is a lot, I know. But I want to have straight teeth one day. I feel like I'm missing something. Oh, I should mention, for my job, I get use of a company vehicle. Oh. Um, and But the key to that is, if I want to use it for personal use, there is a monthly fee. So I pay about $160 a month to use it like for personal reasons, which would be errands or whatever. And if I go over a certain amount of mileage, I pay, I do pay tax on my use if I go over like a certain amount. Okay. Oh, well, that's nice that you get, I mean, I feel like that's a good deal, the $160 a month for the car. Okay. So your your expenses aren't too high given your income. No. I think it's intentional though. <laughs> okay. So talk to me about what your goals are. I mean, you're doing a great job with the, you're putting in 15% to the 401k and they're matching 5%. So you're putting 20% into the 401k, which is fantastic. You're doing it all in Roth, which I'm super impressed with because if you, for the listeners, you've always probably heard me. I kind of, if 
I'm having trouble getting people up to the desired savings goal, I usually use pre the pre-tax option just because it's more palatable, you know, to not miss as much in your paycheck. So I'm super impressed you're doing it all in Roth. And in addition to it, then you're doing the Roth outside of work too. So double whammy. Yeah, I think I'm overcompensating because I'm afraid that I won't have enough later, <laughs> to be honest. I think the big thing for me right now is I do plan on going to grad school and um, I'm looking to get my MBA. And the reality is I feel like I might end up going into debt student loan wise again, just to fund it. And I think I'm trying to balance like saving for retirement, but also saving for school. Cause there, I don't think there's any way possible I could save enough for full tuition in a year and a half, you know? So um, my goal is to academically at least get a full tuition scholarship and then maybe fund my living expenses in cash. But right now my expenses are low, but I'm sharing them with someone else. And, you know, I plan on moving outside of Arizona for the MBA and it's still TBD on if you'll be moving with me. So I may not have the ability to share the expenses or something like that. So I'm just trying to figure out what I should be doing in preparation for that. So what I would, so what I would do is with whatever you have left over monthly and you're very efficient with your budget. So after you do, I, you could still do the Roth and you could do um, the Roth at work. And then what you have left over, I would put in just to your emergency fund so you have more cash because moving is expensive and then you're going to need some money for living expenses. I think that it's really nice to be debt-free and I think you need to be strategic with the MBA that it's going to increase your earning potential. Mm-hmm. So are going to consider taking loans, I think you need to do the return on that investment because you're in a really good spot right now. So if you're, let's say, so last year you made 89000 So with your MBA, then you would have to figure out what you're going to, what it's going to cost you, right? Hopefully you get a free ride. That would be amazing. But if you need to go into a little bit of debt for it, what what's the desired outcome, right? So like, what are you willing to spend? Where, what's the return on those dollars going to be when you come out of grad school. So like, are you, are you going to be able to make like 150000 when you come out? What You know what I'm saying? Yeah. I think that's the hard part. I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> What's the impetus for the MBA? So um, I'm in sales and it kind of fell into my lap. It's not something I thought I was going to do. And it's fun sometimes, but overall, I don't want to do it. Um, but I love the industry I'm in. And so, I mean, I networked with people. If I wanted to go into marketing or strategy or something, I'm looking at brand marketing right now and eventually general management and leadership. Um, I've been told straight to my face, like after a certain level, you need an MBA or you just won't be marketable, um, to get these jobs. Like I'll cap at a job level and, kind of going back to what you said, I want the earning potential post MBA, but if I'm going to be capping, you know, at a certain point, I'm just not going to be able to make more money, at least in that industry, in marketing, or even in leadership, I won't be able to get to leadership, I guess I should say. However, with that being said, people post MBA going into the roles I'm looking at, from what I've seen, um, generally make about 120 to 130. I think the people who make the big money are the consultants, of course. Um, But with that being said, so, I mean, that's, I, it's not a huge difference from where I am, but I only make that much, I only make enough 
how do I say this? I only make a good amount of money if my commission is good. If And that means if sales are good and right. that's very variable. So that's the concerning part for me. It's like, yeah, I made 80 or almost 90 last year, but next year it could be literally just my base salary, you know? Oh, absolutely. I've always worked sales. So I 100% understand. Another thing, I because I like to be scrappy. I like to not spend if you don't have to. Have you thought about would your company sponsor you for an MBA, getting your company to pay for it? Yeah, they would if I did part-time. Um, but I think it would just take me twice as long to do it. And then I would have to commit additional years. Yes. And yeah, yeah. Um, I don't they want know. you to pay if they pay for it. <laughs> I from from my experience, I've been with my current company about almost four years. And just from what I've seen, it's and I'm in the field, right? I'm a field rep. I'm not at headquarters. So it's just very it's harder to do the work of networking your way up and doing that kind of thing where you're physically distant. And I know COVID changed that. Um, but I just don't know. I would, I would probably have to be in my same role for those, what, four years until I get the MBA and then make a change. And I honestly don't want to be in my current role more than the year and a half I have before I start school. So um, I've thought about that, but I just don't want to sign on for six years of my life to my company. Yeah, that's so. really fair. Okay. So then I think what your, what your idea is, then we'll be, we'll be good. Try and see if you can get a full full tuition and then I would save more in your emergency fund to help cover costs. And even if you had to maybe pick up like a side hustle or something while you're in school, just to help supplement your income. Yeah. Um, the only other thing I was thinking to be a year and a half, I'm like hesitant to say this. Did you know that Future Rich offers three online classes in partnership with SUNY Ulster? Well, you're in luck, we do. We have our Future Rich Signature course, our Student Loans course, and our brand new Social Security course. All of these classes can be found on our website at www.futurerichpodcast.com. But you could do, if you didn't want to do the Roth for 2021, you could do a traditional for 2021, and then you could convert it while you're in grad school. Walk me through what that does. (laughs) So if you did the traditional and you did six thousand dollars for twenty twenty one into a traditional IRA, you would get a six thousand dollar tax break, right? And then when you're in grad school, we'll just say in twenty twenty three, where you have no, we'll say you're just doing a side hustle, or we'll just say you're babysitting for cash, right, or nannying for cash while you're in your MBA program, so you don't have anything on the books. So your income for that year, from the IRS standpoint, is zero. So then that year, you would take your traditional IRA. And you would convert it over to a Roth IRA. So essentially, you say to the government, I'm willing to pay the taxes today on my traditional IRA money to make it a Roth. You do the entire amount because you're under 59 and a half, so you don't withhold anything for taxes because that would be treated as an early distribution. So you move this 6000 from traditional 100% into Roth IRA. You then are going to get a tax form at the end of that year, you know, for your tax filing. That's going to state you had seven thousand dollars of IRA distributions because you did you converted it, and you would pay tax. Oh, sorry, six thousand because you're under fifty. You would pay tax on that six thousand. But if you have no earnings that year because you're in MBA school, there's no tax, or there be there would be little to no tax. You have to consult an accountant, is my disclaimer. But in theory, high arching overall, like overall concept of it is you move it from the traditional to the Roth, you pay tax the following year when you file with your tax form that they provide you, 
And hypothetically, if you have no income, there should be very little tax due. Okay. You got the tax break in the year. We'll just say in, in theory this year, we think you're going to make 90. You got a tax break, you know, when you needed it because you're in a high bracket if you're making 90,000 as a single filer. And then you converted it when you were in a low bracket. Gotcha. That makes sense. That's a lot. <laughs> I would have to like actually be paying attention. Okay. That's I good. And I always totally recommend having your accountant or a CPA or an advisor help you with it. I just wanted to give you the concept of it. It's like, so we know you're in a high bracket now. We know you're going to be in a low bracket in the future because you've committed to going to school. So then rather than doing an after-tax contribution now, make it a pre-tax contribution, save a little bit of money on taxes today, and then move it over when you're in the lower bracket, which is going to be in the very near future. Yeah, that makes sense. Yeah. Um, You know, unless you're just, you know, unless... Something, anything can change. That's the hard part about personal finance, right? You know, we're planning for the future, but we don't have all the future's information. So, um, but I would say with an MBA, if you're going to school full-time, you should be making, you'll be making less than 90,000, even if you pick up a side job, which I would highly recommend just to have some money to help cover living expenses. But if you get like a waitressing job or a nanny job or something like that, it could be predominantly cash. Yeah. Okay, let me run this by you because this is what I was thinking. So for 2021, like stay on the plan that I'm currently at. And then 2022, like the fall is when I would enter into a program. So I'd be working for the first half of the year. Okay. So my thought process was don't contribute to retirement at all or to a Roth and just save everything for those six months, like anything extra. Mm-hmm. And just like become cash heavy. Yes. And then go into the program with at least, you know, like the beefed up emergency fund and living expenses and stuff. Correct. So you think that's a good idea? <laughs> I think it's a good idea. And then what you could do for your 2021 contribution, if you want, with the help of a, a CPA, is you could do the pre tax IRA and then convert it in 2023. In 2023, yeah. I should mention, I've already. You might get some tax money back then in your 2022 return. Oh, okay. I see what you're saying. Oh, yes, 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 yes. I've already started contributing to the 2021 in the Roth IRA, though. So does that matter? Does the traditional have the same limit as a Roth? It does. That's a great question. So if you've, if depending on what you're putting in, so let's just say you already put 1000 into your Roth, you could do then 5000 into the, the pre-tax. Is there any, is there any, like, point where it doesn't make a difference? Like, um, or I guess a big enough difference. Like for example, I've already put thirty five hundred into twenty twenty one, so I'm you know I'm pinning twenty five hundred. Do you think that's even worth it? Like worth no, it? I would say probably not. I would agree with you. I don't think it's worth it then. Okay, I should have talked to you before I got paid yesterday. <laughs> <laughs> it's okay. The one the one thing you could see if you wanted to is about changing the contribution. Sometimes they can like recharacterize it. Is the financial word for it but it just depends on how much of a headache you want to go through I guess at that point and versus what you could save so I here's what I would do I would ask your accountant because I have to give that disclosure what you would save if you did you know if your income was the same for 2021 as it was for 2020 and you did 6,000 in traditional versus the Roth and they could tell you what the savings would be like they'll say you'll get a thousand dollars back on your return or something like that or they might say it's not going to make enough of a difference and then I would use that to make the decision Okay. That's a good idea. 
Because if they say it's only going to be $300, you might say, you know what, I can just save that by budgeting and I'd rather not go through the hassle. If they say it's like you're going to get $1,500 back in your tax return, well, then maybe it's worth it. Okay. That's super helpful. And I assume there's no like time limit to convert from a traditional to a Roth. You need, it has to be for the calendar year. So if you were going to change your contribution this year, that's called a recharacterization. So the sooner you do it, the better, just because they have to, just to make it a little bit cleaner so you can track it, it would be better to do it sooner. And then for the conversion, the conversion needs to be done in the calendar year. So for instance, a conversion is different than a contribution. And notice the word difference, right? Conversion versus contribution. The Roth IRA contribution can be done, like you just, you could have just done your 2020, right? Mm -hmm. Even though we're in 2021. That doesn't work with the conversion. The conversion needs needs to be completed in the calendar year. So if you were going to do a conversion in 2023 when you're in grad school, you would have to complete it by December 31st of 2023 for it to count for that year, which is your low interest Okay. So you have all the words with recharacterization, we have conversion, we have contribution, and they wonder why people get confused. (laughs) Yeah, yeah. No, it's so funny. I feel, honestly, though, talking to you about this makes me feel like I'm finally stepping up into, like, the nitty-gritty of, like, investing and saving properly you know I kind of I I got on the trend of okay do the Roth but this is how you really um t- make the most of I guess your money I don't know if that makes it's sense. all about knowing that there's there is a contribution and then there is a conversion and then trying to maximize it right like trying to take advantage of what's going to be in your best interest from an investment standpoint um and then also a tax standpoint right right you are in a high tax bracket, but we see the future where we think we're going to be in a low bracket for potentially two years. Yeah, for sure. That's super helpful. That's so, a lot to think about. <laughs> it is a lot to think about. And then with your what you should do, this is something you should definitely write down is on your to-do list for 2023. As you mentioned, your company is contributing their dollars pre-tax and your dollars are post-tax, you know, raw. Mm-hmm. While you're in grad school, let's say you just leave your Roth alone and it's all Roth, but the only monies you go into grad school with that are pre-tax is that former company match, you could move those over incrementally for the two years you're in grad school and get that whole thing to be full Roth by the time you graduate with your MBA. So that every dollar you have for retirement is now all Roth. Okay. I think I would have to do the math because I should mention, I only started doing the Roth last year and I've had, I also can, I moved over money from a old employer too. So the majority of that like $54,000 is pre-tax or like regular 401k. You just told me an audible. Okay, we're going to change it. (laughs) (laughs) Do do the full Roth for 2021. Okay. What, how much is pre-tax in that the $50,000 in change um, 401k? Probably like 45. (laughs) Okay. 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 So here's what, here's what this is. You, you should 100% hire an accountant. And when you, I would meet with them next year and I would find out what amount, tell them like this 2022, I'm going to be working half a year, right? Cause I start school. 2023 is going to be a full year of school. That's going to be your big year. 2024, I'm going to do a half a year, right? Mm-hmm. And I would have your accountant map out how you convert that 45,000 into the Roth. So maybe it is something like, this is just a hypothetical example um, for those listening, but maybe it is 
15, maybe in 2023, we do 20,000 20, is what I'm going to say. So that leaves us with, with 25. So we do, uh, here we go, 12 and a half your first year, 2022, 20,000, 2023, and then the other 12 and a half or remainder in 2024. So that by the end of 2024, that 45,000 is fully moved over into the Roth. Okay. And then he'll, I or he or she, the accountant will tell me about like tax. what my tax bill would be. Correct. They can project it. Okay. So they can say in 2023, and then probably the advice would be if you're going to have a job, I would have a job off the books. You know, cash would be key that year. So your only income that year would be the conversion of 20000 And they should be able to say, okay, for that, if that's your only income and you're just a full-time student, you're going to owe $500 on that. Okay. So this is a going to school is going to help me in more way than one. So do definitely do the Roth for this year for 2021 in your IRA. And then you're going to use your MBA experience so that when you come out of school, so you will be what, 20? I'll probably be 30. You'll be 30. Okay. And then all of your investments by the time you are 30 will be 100% Roth. Look at you. <laughs> You're making me so excited. <laughs> so that's good. And it'll it'll keep growing. So then probably by then, 63, maybe it'll be closer. Like, let's just see, 63. I'm just doing a little quick math here. It should be closer to like 80,000-ish, maybe more depending on the market by then. Okay. Not Well, and you're going to be adding this year. So then it should definitely be, maybe it'll even be closer to 90. So that would be fantastic. Okay. Awesome. That sounds like a plan. I'll have to bookmark this and remember. Yeah. So we would 100% get an accountant so that you can map this out. And accountants, you kind of have to give the specific instructions. They're not usually the most creative, or at least in my experience, they haven't been because they meet with you after the year, right? So you're going to have to do this before. So in 2022, you're going to have to complete it by December 31st of 2022. You're not going to meet with your accountant to do the 2022 filing until 2023, right? right? So they can't advise you on something that should have already occurred, right? Right. Okay. So you need to meet with your accountant in, like I would say, September or no, or October of 2022 because it has to be done before the end of that year. Is there any benefit to doing it like earlier in the year versus later in the year? Yeah, I mean, you th- that's where the latest I would do it, right? Because you don't want to be rushing to do it. There's paperwork involved. You want to make sure you have it figured out. The only advantage to you for doing it later in the year is you'll have you'll know what you've earned up to that point. Oh, okay, true. But you can do it in the beginning of the year. Because remember, once you do this, you can't undo it. Like once you do it, if you say, oh, man, the taxes are too high, I want to take that back. There are no backseas on this. Okay. The tax part is scaring me, but I know it's for a good reason. Like it'll only help me in the future, but it sounds a little intimidating. It, it definitely is intimidating, and but it's going to be, it's a hundred percent worth the work to hire an accountant and run through these numbers. Um, because just to give you a, you know, I love my examples of doubling your money every 10 years if you were making 7.2% compounding. So let's just assume um, that with your contribution this year with your company match and another half a year next year, that by the time you graduate school, we have this whole thing converted over into a Roth. 
that it's $100,000 between your Roth IRA and your Roth 401k, right? Because mm-hmm. we're not far off based on the numbers I'm looking at. So that means yet age 30, age 40, you have 200,000. Age 50, you have 400. Age 60, you have 800. And at age 70, you have 1.6 million that's tax-free. Okay, that sounds good. Yeah, worth meeting with the accountant, I think. Yeah, yeah, for sure. Hopefully, (laughs) hopefully having a better job too later, or I guess a higher income will. Yeah, that's again considering that you're adding in the future. And it's good that you're doing the Roth now, and it would be good to get it all into Roth because if you come out and you're earning more money, you're not going to be eligible to do the Roth IRA contribution. Oh, yeah, true. Okay. So that's another reason why you would want to get it all converted before you got out of MBA school. Okay. Yeah. Okay. Thank you. You have me looking so far ahead in the future, but this is so good for me. Good. I'm so happy. I'm excited about this plan. I think that would be really awesome. It's kind of what I did. It's almost identical for what I did with my sister because my sister had about almost exactly the same amount as you. She had a little bit less. You have more than she did. She she had um, like 59 or 60,000, I think was the number. So you have more than her. And she went to law school, which was one additional year. And so we moved, it was exactly, I think it was 20,000, 19,000, 20,000 and 20,000 over the course of three years. And I think in total, um, she owed about, I want to say like a few hundred dollars for the entire, like over the course of three years. Oh, wow. Okay. Yeah. So you're, and she was doing it and she was a a slightly older. So her number is like 74 um, by the time she finished law school. So you're younger and you have more, but it's the same concept that I I did for my sister. Okay. That that sounds good. I'm on this plan. Thank you so much because I would have never thought of that or honestly researched it. But that makes me excited. Yeah, I'm excited too. We'll have to have you back on. <laughs> yeah. It's like crazy to think that I might still be podcasting in 2024, but maybe we'll talk in 2022. Hey, podcasting is growing. So everyone, it is growing. Yeah, I love podcasts. And I love your podcast. And I'm so happy to be here again. I'm saying again. Yay. No, this is wonderful. Um, well, so... I'm excited for your plan and we'll wrap it up for our lovely listeners. Hopefully we'll do a nice little newsletter episode when your uh, pod comes out about all the different words, recharacterization, contribution, and conversion. Um, And if you'd like to learn more, you can follow us on Instagram at the Future Rich Podcast. And we are partnered with SUNY Ulster for our online classes, which you can find at www.financial.com. At Parker, our purpose is simple. We want to make the world a better place by working more efficiently, by using more sustainable practices, by developing better technologies. We keep moving forward. With each new idea, innovation, and partnership, we're one step closer to fulfilling our purpose every single day. To find out more, visit parker.com purpose. Parker, engineering your success. As humans, we're naturally driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search. Match. With Indeed, when I was looking to hire someone, it was so slow and overwhelming. 
I wish I had used Indeed. If you need to hire, you need Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. And Indeed doesn't just help you hire faster. 93% of employers agree Indeed delivers the highest quality matches compared to other job sites, according to a recent Indeed survey. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash podcast. That's Indeed.com slash podcast. Terms and conditions apply.